Alright guys, uh, we, we, we can't have a, a long show today um, because uh, outside our, the window of our studios, there's a giant monster. Uh, they're calling him Godzilla. <laughs> Welcome to another... <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Project Ecology. I am one half of your host, Anthony, and joining me as always is... Dakota and yeah we're gonna be talking about Godzilla 2014 as per your request uh well it, your vote rather we have uh over the past couple weeks been polling you guys for what you wanted and this week you guys voted for Godzilla 2014 and honestly I couldn't be happier because this is a film that I feel like gets a lot of flack I think a lot of people have forgotten it and I think it's actually held up surprisingly well yeah, no, I agree. Uh, watching it again this week, I actually, I felt like I had a new appreciation for it. I don't know if I appreciated it as much the first time that I saw it, but I feel like I enjoyed it a little bit more this time around. I, It's a fun movie, so yeah, I, I enjoy kaiju movies, um, Godzilla being the most popular one out there. Uh, when you think about that genre, that and then King Kong maybe. Maybe yeah. a couple others. So, but Godzilla, top of that list. It's always, and I always enjoy myself when I watch a Godzilla movie. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out in a couple weeks now. I mean, it's probably going to be uh, right upon you guys the moment that this finally drops in a couple weeks. Uh, I think in like a week and a half, this will drop. And then that week is when the actual sequel comes out, Godzilla vs. Kong, which will be the fourth movie in the MonsterVerse that Legendary and Warner Brothers has put out. After, of course, this film, Godzilla 2014, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then, yes, of course, Godzilla vs. Kong. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, The trailers look very exciting. Same. I actually need to watch Skull Island. That's the one that I have not seen. It's a weird thing that they did where they decided to go back to the 70s, like in their own little timeline for a like a timeline period piece on the the character of Kong. And yeah, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. I hope I hope you enjoy it. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Um, maybe in a similar way that you didn't necessarily appreciate Godzilla 2014 when you first saw it. but And, and I need to rewatch uh, Skull Island as well, because I think I've only seen it the one time. But I'd like to see it before watching Godzilla vs. Kong. I did like King of the Monsters a lot. Mm-hmm. That was good. But yeah, we are here for Godzilla 2014. But before we get into that, let's uh, talk about what we've been up to this week. What have you been up to, Dakota? This morning I was off work actually, so I got to, the chance to finally read uh, a short comic book that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's like in the Avatar universe. It's um, a like a one-off of Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Metal Bending Academy uh, that oh, nice. occurs after the Avatar show. Uh, so that was a nice little. You know, just a fun little adventure with Toph and uh, Sokka's in it a little bit, but also her metal bending students that she comes to to like grow with. Well, I mean, I can talk about WandaVision because that finally finished, and that's uh, yes. the big thing that has happened since we recorded last. Uh, the finale has dropped. We have finally gotten all the answers that we're gonna get in terms of WandaVision. Some people were pretty fairly. Uh, dismayed about some of the results, I guess, of like the answers that they received, but I was pretty satisfied by the finale. 
You know, it, it gave me everything that I was expecting from specifically a Wanda and a Vision storyline. So I'm happy about that. What did you think of the WandaVision finale? Oh, the WandaVision finale. I, I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people were pretty upset about it because there was a lot of theories out there that did not come to fruition. It was I interesting. Mean, being a fan and hearing theories on stuff, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to respect the fact that those are theories and that they're not always going to come true. Even if the theories you are know? better than what you actually get. Yeah, it's, it's kind yeah, of interesting. Exactly. Um, this is the first time that a Marvel Studios project has come out over the course of uh, several uh, weeks. I think seven weeks in total. And I think that kind of really um, messed with people because we're used to you know speculating before movies come out and after a movie comes out. But you never pause right. a movie like every <laughs> every 30 seconds or every 30 minutes and, you know, talk about it for a week to, to figure out what's going to happen next. So this was a very interesting thing for Marvel Studios to do in terms of, you know, let's lengthen out the movie, make it a almost a six hour show and then break it up into 30 minute, 40 minute chunks for you to enjoy week after week. And I think people I did think it was on oh, my bed. No, no. I mean, I, I think I think people are spoiled by the MCU giving them what they want. Um, and with a show like this, uh, over time, your expectations grow. You know. So I think, to some extent, the fan vitriol at the end was partially deserved, or par- should I guess partially warranted. But I do think um, that everyone should keep their expectations in check because your, your expectations are never going to meet reality right right you know and that's the biggest thing and this is a lesson for everything in life make sure you set your expectations reasonably <laughs> and be open to if those expectations don't pan out you know i mean it, it's it's okay to be disappointed but you got to be rational about really what you got i mean because in all honesty, I think that it was pretty good. I enjoyed the ending. It was crazy. Overall, like it's one of those things that this particular show is one of those uh, unimaginable things that uh, Marvel Studios is capable of. You know, nobody right five years ago would have ever thought, "Hey, we're gonna have a sitcom-based uh, reality show that's all in Wanda's head uh, slash universe that she creates," and um, it's gonna like it, it's gonna evolve out of her grief basically and uh, make uh, a satisfying show and evolution to certain characters um, it, it's a fascinating concept what they were capable of doing um, and as a project as a whole like I think once people get out of uh, you know their own once it, once people get out of their own shoes and actually watch it for what it is as a piece of art, that that's made by hundreds of people over thousands of hours of labor you know it's amazing what they were capable of doing so i'm i'm super pleased with that i do think that we should make an episode about this show because there is a lot of there are some storylines that they pulled from to create this show and i think it's interesting what they did and i i think it's really interesting what the mcu has done for certain characters in Marvel 
Because, I mean, we talked about Iron Man, how Iron Man was not even on, barely on anybody's radar until the 2008 movie uh, came out. And then he became bigger, with, especially with the more of the movies that came out. A lot of people didn't really care about Vision or Scarlet Witch. I mean, I know a couple of people who do like Scarlet Witch, but you really don't hear much about the Vision. Yeah, it's one of you those know? things like if you're a fan of the comics, it's really awesome. It's really awesome that these characters exist in this world and that you're experiencing them in live action. That's awesome, you know? And I have my share of uh, comics with Scarlet Witch. I have my share of comics with with Vision in them. And I was happy to see them on screen, but they were never my favorite characters in the MCU. But because of this show, that has bumped both of those characters up so high. Um, for me, because right. of the emotional resonance that they were capable of doing in the final episode, or the final couple episodes, really. It's cool. It's funny that you bring up WandaVision because it's actually pretty relevant to our discussion today. Actually, yeah, that's 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 a great point. We'll talk about that in a little bit, though. We'll, we'll, we'll segue <laughs> yeah, that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Anthony, what have you been up to this past week besides WandaVision? Besides that, well, I've been I've been diving into a Light of the Jedi. I've nice. been reading into that. I I think I'm on a pretty good pace to to finish up soon. And I've been uh, I've been like really like getting into web development and kind of learning code like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. It's I think it's fascinating and it's something that i i would love to do down the line is build you know building websites and learning more programming languages and stuff but it can be tough i mean there's times where i get stuck but i mean i've been doing that i watch godzilla of course uh, those are like the, the the biggest things for me uh this week oh and before we forget i actually posted a new video um about light of the jedi and the high republic and all that it's like a timeline of all the books and the comics in like a reading order so if you're interested at all in that please be sure to check out geek critique uh the youtube channel yes do that and i actually got some validation in terms of uh one of the writers of the comic series dj older uh, daniel jose daniel jose older um kind of confirmed to me like the general placement of something which i appreciated on twitter so nice so that was cool, um, but other than that, I don't think I've you know besides rewatching Godzilla again and everything. Oh, um, oh, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. I, I've I, I got that on uh, Disney Plus as a premiere thing. It's, oh, did you end up doing that for that? Yeah, I did, and it's really good. It's like a really, Is it really? it's a really good uh, animated film. Yeah, it's nice. Um, the animation's beautiful. Some of the shots are just gorgeous. The music is great. Uh, the story is is really interesting. It's kind of like a it's 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 like a story of like Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained sort of thing. Um, but it takes place in like a South, uh, uh, maybe maybe like a Southern Asian world basically like it takes a little bit from here it takes a little bit from there and um it also has it incorporates a lot of like martial arts as well so um, oh nice yeah so south I'll south enjoy asian that. yeah south asian martial arts uh, is really cool yeah there's a couple of movies that i need to watch that are on disney plus like 
I haven't seen uh, Soul or uh, Onward. Uh, Soul is fantastic. Uh, Onward is also fantastic. Both both of those Pixar movies are really good. Um, you know, Soul, I thought I was going to cry more. It's one of those things that looks like it's going to be terribly sad. But it was... I mean, it is. It's, it's a sad movie. But it's not crippling. <laughs> it's not crippling emotionally. Onward, surprisingly, I was like way more tearful at the end of that. Did you see this right here? I heard about it, yeah. So there's gonna be a live action Powerpuff Girls show. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, so going back to that, Ryan the Last Dragon, um it uses uh a, like a mix of Muay Thai and Pencox a lot. Um Oh, okay, that's cool. Yes, and it, it, it looks really cool. So I, I highly recommend it. I'm actually seeing it again tomorrow night. I think I'm going to a drive-in theater with Jen and some friends. We're gonna oh, see that. nice, man. Yeah, so I recommend awesome. it. All right, should we jump into our discussion of Godzilla 2014? What do you say? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's uh, Let's get into it. All right, so where do we even begin? So in the beginning of the movie... You, you know, you see all those uh, clippings of newspapers and like found footage or government footage of the like bombings in the Pacific, um, sp- specifically the nuclear tests that they were doing back then. They work it into the Godzilla story, the Godzilla mythos for this movie. And that ties into both the uh, the 90s Godzilla movie that we got in America. I think it was 98 that that film released or 99. And also... Oh, uh... The New York one? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the one with the one Matthew Broderick. And, yeah, I mean, when we were kids, it was awesome. But, you know, going back to, lot, to watch it is kind of cringe. It's very cringe. But that film, as well as the 1954 Godzilla, the original Gojira uh, from Japan, they reference both of those uh, in, in kind of that little opening. So um, later in the film... Uh, Ken Watanabe's character, uh, Dr. Serizawa, actually says that what they were like trying to attack in, in 54 was Godzilla, or this, this beast that they found in the, in the ocean. And 1954 was the original Godzilla movie. And that movie was mm-hmm. actually, it was kind of like a social commentary on nuclear power. It's this uh, giant lizard who has like uh, atomic breath and he's yeah. destroying cities. And it's very, you know, it's taking a look at like the destructive powers that uh, can be wielded by with like a nuclear threat. And so using that idea and then twisting it into, well, in 54, the same year that the original Godzilla film came out, they were bombing the Pacific. And that was kind of not necessarily what brought this Godzilla to life because he existed before that. It, it, it was it's just an interesting little like twist to that storyline and if you remember in the the 90s godzilla movie with matthew broderick the one that is in new york it was actually godzilla was a iguana in the i guess the pacific or uh, the galapagos islands i don't know where they were bombing <laughs> but it was a nuclear test that like brought the <laughs> the lizard to life as as this giant Godzilla thing and so so they kind of take a little bit of this and a little bit of that with uh with this movie and created Godzilla 2014 well if was it if, if you think about it that Godzilla that took place in America 
it was very skinny, so it was like iguana like. Yeah. And if you think about it, it is really an interesting route that they went with giving Godzilla atomic breath. Because usually when when you think of a big creature like that, they usually like breathe fire, you know? Usually giant creatures that breathe anything, it's it's fire. You mean you know, like histori- some sort historically of, through like mythology and stuff like dragons and stuff. Right, dragons. I mean even even it's usually like an acid or a sludge or some sort of thing. But with Godzilla, yeah, it's that atomic breath. Now the and the ninety it was the, interesting. The nineties Godzilla f- did not include um, any like atomic breath or anything. He was just a giant lizard attacking. Right. Rook. Yeah. Right. It was the uh, Japanese version, the the old school. Right. Ones right. Right. That had that. Yeah. When they finally do show the atomic breath in this coming movie, or I mean, this, this when they finally show the atomic breath in this movie, it's one of the like, the coolest scenes ever. Because in the trailers, they didn't show anything about like him having got, uh, atomic breath. When they finally do show the atomic breath in this movie, it's bonkers. Because in the trailers, they don't actually show Godzilla having any atomic breath. They, they kind of kept that secret from the like the, any previews or trailers that existed before watching Godzilla 2014. Uh, I remember being in the theater and being like so excited when like... Godzilla's tail started like lighting up behind uh, the yeah. Muto, and you just saw him just like, Aah! and <laughs> the stupid atomic breath comes out. It's so sick, man! I like, love you, that. You knew what was coming when you saw it, like charging up. Oh like, yeah, oh, and it goes boy. it goes up the scales, dude. It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, no, no, it's it's really really cool. Oh, God, Godzilla, Godzilla itself is just it's an interesting character. It's an interesting like thing that was created, and when you think about Godzilla, like that that Godzilla series is as popular as you know Star Wars. It's as popular as like you know some some of these like like well known things out there. I mean, there's everybody knows who Godzilla is. Godzilla has been referenced in so many things. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, they even reference Godzilla. Um, if I remember correctly, it was in Jurassic Park, uh, the Lo- the Lost World, when the the T Rex went onto uh, the mainland. It was on uh, San Diego, and like these two Japanese guys were like running away from it. But it was very like it was cut in a way that it was obviously ripping from Godzilla. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I forgot. So about that. I mean, but you see that in so many ways. It you know you see Godzilla throughout so much like pop culture. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an icon. Uh, so, question, so it, it's question. I think this is important to the conversation, and, and that's not the only kaiju that they reference in the Jurassic Park series. So, in the first Jurassic Park movie, they actually reference King Kong when they're going into Jurassic Park for the first time. Uh, Malcolm, Ian Malcolm, he goes, "What do you got in there, King Kong?" <laughs> when they're going through the gates, because <laughs> it kind of looks like the it makes King sense. Kong yeah, movies. for the yeah. setting, it does. Yeah. But um, are you Team Kong or Team Godzilla for the new movie? Oh, man. This is hard. But I, I know a lot of people are ba- backing Godzilla just because Godzilla is the one with like the, the superpower. But I have to go with Godzilla because I like Godzilla. 
I like Godzilla more than I like King Kong, even though I do like King Kong. Yeah. But I, Godzilla I, has always been something that... Because there's more Godzilla out there. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a so good point. I've consumed more Godzilla than King Kong. And I love, I love, love, love that all of these things have already been... They've already showed this stuff in movies. Well, like way back in the day. Mm-hmm. But that Godzilla is still so relevant that we're all excited to see this in like an updated version, you know? Yeah. Um, like people want to, people are dying to see, and and it looks like this new movie is gonna have it. Is to see uh, a little bit of it at least. Is to see um, Godzilla face off uh, Mecha Godzilla. Now that's a fight that everybody wants to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, on especially, I mean kong versus godzilla or godzilla versus kong i mean like everybody wants to see that too but i know a lot of people are like man i want to see that mecha godzilla fight like what's crazy is that going from this movie godzilla 2014 to godzilla versus kong like where does this world get the tech for making a giant mech godzilla (laughs) because it's a huge leap uh you know (laughs) you have monarch uh, like the main like monster hunting uh, or monster tracking society in this world, Monarch. Uh, in this movie, they basically they they don't even they can barely even track these things. You know, they can barely track um, like right. the fact that there's two of them. Um, they need like the theories of uh, Brian Cranston's uh, Joe Brody to like even like confirm what their suspicions are. So it goes pretty far from like that to whatever they're capable of not maybe not uh monarch being able to create those things but the the world in general as we know it because the technology in godzilla 2014 seems pretty contemporary and to think that we like in 2021 are capable of building a giant mech monster like that seems highly unlikely so i'm i'm excited to see what they do with that if they like flesh it out or if it's just going to be like you know specific room now (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, it's funny that you say that because I was literally about to say, "Oh yeah, they they uh, hit up the folks um, that have those. Uh, what were they called? Um, the Jaegers. mechs, Jaegers. They, yeah, yeah. They they uh, they borrowed uh, Jaeger technology and they fashioned it into uh, Godzilla. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, and it, it so I I think like I I know that we're kind of you know talking about not like not really too much into the movie but one thing i do have to say and i will always love this is just how corny some of these godzilla movies get like i mean they get ridiculous oh yeah yeah yeah. But especially they the, get the crazy like the, the really old japanese ones uh su- surprisingly the first one 1954's uh godzilla or Go- gojira is really good you know, it's a really good movie, and it's a horror movie, and it's like a monster movie, but they play right. it legit. You know, as soon as that movie's over, and the series continues, it's campy as all heck. Was <laughs> the, the son of Godzilla? Oh man, <laughs> what a dumb movie! Godzilla man. goes <laughs> to space. <laughs> what about um, the the third oh, movie man. in the series? Is Godzilla versus Kong? Uh, or King Kong, mm. Godzilla vs. King Kong, and it's campy, yeah, it's it's kind of corny, but it's still really good in the sense that, like, you know, you're actually getting these two giants of cinema uh, fighting each other. Uh, 
Um, and King Kong predates Godzilla by almost 20 years, maybe 15 years. But it's still like such a fantastic thing to get those two together. And, and King Kong, I guess we're just talking about kaijus in general at this point. Uh, yeah. You know, we're bouncing between, it's hard. We're, we're bouncing it's between hard. Like, Pacific Rim and King Kong. Right. And, like, the classic movies and the new movies and the American movie. But See, um, you can't talk about Godzilla without talking about kaijus in general. Right. You, know? you you even brought up like the Jaeger thing, like um, thinking about like that, that word, um, it basically means like uh, a suit. And if you think about uh, Attack on Titan, um, the main character's name is Aaron Jaeger. And what is his ability? He, he can basically turn himself into a giant, like colossal Titan that can combat mm, other yeah. Titans. Yeah, he's a, he's a Jaeger. It's it's cool. Just the the mythos around giant monsters, the kaiju. I think that's what I love about this series most, um, and it it's like brought to life in this movie really well. Is that there's a history here. There's a, a lore behind these monsters. They even go so far as to show um, uh, the carcass of an ancient Godzilla in the Philippines that they discover like early on in mm. the film. Yeah. That's really cool, you know. And like back in 1999, they found this ancient carcass of uh, a Godzilla that predates Godzilla, and um, inside it, basically, the, that's where they discover the the Mutos um, like hibernating, probably because of like that's where he, like his atomic breath was and everything. So they were kind of feasting on whatever that was. You can go deep into like the monarch lore, the Godzilla lore in this world, and I, I I've like. I've taken, uh, I, yeah, I've taken a few dives into it just because, um, not only for YouTube and everything, but because it's such a fascinating like concept, like creating a new lore for Godzilla and all these monsters in general. And I think they're doing right. a, they're doing a really good job of it. Whether the stories are as good as the lore, I, I guess is a different story. You know, a lot of people really had some problems with specifically the King of the Monsters storyline. Like, it is kind of, like, ridiculous if you really break it down into its parts. But the lore behind everything is what, like, really draws me in because it makes the world feel real, you know? It gives the world a little bit of um, vibrancy, and or a lot of vibrancy in this case. So, um, that was really introduced in this movie, in the original Godzilla 2014. And I was thinking about it this week, actually. And... I think um, pretty much everything that I've ever been into has been lore heavy, you know, whether yeah. the story's good or not, everything that I've been into has been like heavily steeped in its own little lore. Like I've always loved Kingdom Hearts. What What is the story about? You know, past the first game, I can barely tell you, but the lore <laughs> no is super good. You know, it's a, it's a really deep lore and you know, it's, it's mixed in with all the Disney worlds and everything. But what this series has told me, like, why I enjoy King of the Monsters and stuff so much is because of, like, how it's able to um, take that lore and build upon it, you know, slowly in this case. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So let's actually dive into the story. We're, we're like, 35 minutes into our recording at this point. So, yeah, we, we get to uh, 99. Um, they discover that there is uh, something that's been causing semi-earthquakes and collapses in the Philippines, like in a mine. And then the earthquakes travel to a, a fictional city in Japan. I think it's Janjira or something like that. And we are introduced to Brian Cranston 
and uh, his wife. Uh, I forget who is playing his wife. Uh, maybe I'm looking at the cast Juliet now. Juliet Binoche. Binoche, yeah. Uh, they're playing Joe and Joe Brody and Sandra Brody, uh, respectively, and they both work at a nuclear plant over there in Tanjiro. It's a really interesting way to start the movie. What are you, what are your thoughts on that point in the story? I agree because it's pretty much shutting off the action pretty early. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there's all this seismic activity going on. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the actual source. They can't locate where the where the epicenter was, and you don't you don't really know what's going on. There's right. just there's a whole bunch of stuff happening. Things are uh, they're setting uh, they're setting stuff off, and then things just just start falling apart. You don't know exactly what's happening at this point in the film, right? And you it's start getting really like, just shrouded in mystery. Yeah, you you start getting like these meltdown procedures that are happening in this power plant. And, you know, this is coming a few years after the uh, Fukushima, like, tsunami event that, you know, uh, culminated in a nuclear meltdown uh, type yeah. event in the area. So it's almost, I, I don't know if that was intentional on this movie's part, but the parallels were there and it's hard not to see them, you know, like anyone right. watching the movie with any like knowledge of the event will think, oh, wow, this happened a few years ago in Fukushima. So it's an interesting way to start the movie and it's a kind of it's an it's a quick way to um reach uh people's like emotional centers when they start the movie because that's where you want to get people when you start like a new movie that you have no idea what you're getting into and right yeah this whole yeah this whole thing yeah the the whole um nuclear power plant crumbles to the ground and yeah. you you don't know why at that point what happened i will say um brian cranston in this uh in the first 20 minutes here really sold the the role of you know just the the, the loving husband basically you know he's um his his wife is doing some job uh that's very dangerous obviously she's in a hazmat suit before stuff starts going down and he has to basically close the door on her uh, before they can even get out, which is one of the most heartbreaking like scenes. It is the it is actually the most heartbreaking scene in the movie, and it happens pretty yeah. early on. Brian Cranston, man, he is such a fantastic actor. I wish they would have kept him for longer, but um, his role in this movie really was fantastic. Yeah, he 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 did a great job, and with Brian Cranston. I know a lot of people when they think of him, they think of that TV show Breaking Bad. Yeah. But when I think about him, I think about the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Yep. That's how I remember him as Hal. And it's funny because you look at that, the portrayal, that character in Godzilla, and you're like, man, he, he has good range. Absolutely. Because you see him in Malcolm in the Middle. He's this goofy dad that's like really corny and campy. And then he can pull off something with heavy emotion in it. So, yeah, he, I, I agree. He did a great job. That storyline kind of ends there. And you you uh, go 15 years later, 2014. And Ford, the young boy, 
uh, Brian Cranston's son in the, uh, in the beginning is now, what is he, a Marine? Army? I actually don't remember. Uh, I think he was, I know he was at Ordnance Disposal. You want to cover this? Ordnance Disposal? Yeah, you want to cover this part just because I, I don't know, like. <laughs> That's no, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I mean, he's in the military. He's uh, an EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And he's coming back home. It seemed like he was on a deployment. And so he's coming back home to his family. I mean, yeah, I mean, fast forward through all these years. I mean, you, you don't see it, but I mean, he has a wife and a kid. And uh, Ford Brody is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, which is also known uh, for Quicksilver and and the Avengers. And he also played uh, that the main character in uh, the movie Kick-Ass. And his wife is Elizabeth Olsen, which plays Wanda, his sister, in the Avengers. So I thought that was interesting when I, when I saw this. I was what's, like, man, what's this cool is, is that, crazy. So yeah, this came out this came out the year before Age of Ultron, where Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson would reprise. Well, they won't reprise, but they they come together to work again. Um, but in right. Godzilla 2014, they play a husband and wife duo, and in Age of Ultron, they play brother and sister. So it's just a really like, what are the chances of that? And it's only a year <laughs> apart, you know? I know. I started laughing. I was like, oh, man, this is awkward. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I, I don't know. I thought I really was. I really did think it was interesting because I'm like, man, what are the chances that they would be casted together in two movies and not that far apart? I mean, a year is really not that far apart because... I mean, when you think about it, there had to have been, do you think there might've been some overlap between the movies or they might've went to Avengers right after Godzilla. They probably did. They probably took the same flight, man. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so but yeah, Godzilla, their husband and wife Godzilla 2014 film, came out on May 16th in the U S and then May 16th, 2014 and age of Ultron came out May 1st. Uh, 2015 so yeah it was basically a year apart almost to the day that they they, they went from husband and wife to uh, brother and sister uh, Interesting. Just, just a crazy um, coincidence there but it's a, it's a cool one you know and it's uh, timely now that we're talking about WandaVision and stuff we should do a whole episode on WandaVision soon oh yes for sure for sure and talk about some of the storylines that they pulled from so yeah I mean, he, he's back with his family. They have a kid together and he finds out that his father was arrested by the police in Japan because he was trespassing in the exclusion zone, which is the area that was uh, quarantined off when the nuclear power plant fell apart. And, you know, there's the nuclear fallout. And so uh, Ford has to go get his father. Yeah, he has to bail him out. And yeah, yeah, he, he has to bail him out. And, you know, they get together. Their relationship at this point is pretty fractured because of over the years, his father wasn't convinced that it was a natural disaster that caused 
the uh, nuclear power plant to break apart right or to collapse and so you know at this point like ford comes bails him out and ropes him into going back into the exclusion zone and yeah well the dad ropes him into going into the exclusion zone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying and so yeah like you know they get there and (laughs) uh joe roadie uh brian cranston like rips off his mask and he's like i knew it (laughs) he's like there's no there's no radiation in the air there should have been radiation it should have like he pretty much risks his life to make a point because it was supposed to be so deadly that it would have killed him yeah so So if he was was wrong he would have died yeah presumably i mean um maybe not died necessarily like you can go into fukushima and you can take your face mask off for a little bit because you'll get a a a little more than normal or a lot more than normal background radiation you you can probably right hang out there for a couple hours same with chernobyl at this point in history but uh right but he made it seem like the radiation levels were so bad that like he would have he like when he ripped off he's like i'm still alive Right, right. Well, he looked at his Geiger counter first. He looked at his Geiger counter and it, it said 0.000. And I thought that's kind of crazy because, you know, there is background radiation everywhere on Earth. So it wouldn't be 0.000 anywhere on Earth, I don't think. Right, right. So it would be a little bit in the air. But, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about the lore of it, it might actually work if, uh, if you really think about it. Because the Mutos absorb radiation like they they feed on it so if the muto's in the area and he's and it's feeding on the background radiation that exists or whatever radiation came from the nuclear power plant because there would be uh you know waste there because of the 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 meltdown that that happened because it collapsed and everything no yeah they probably sucked it up you know yeah i thought that was interesting but i they end up getting caught naturally (laughs) Of course, but instead of getting sent to jail, they get brought into area. Well, before then, they see that there's people setting up. You know, there there's people in the old power plant. Essentially, they've set up shop there, and they get brought over there. And uh, I don't know if you want to take this point. Sure. So they're they're introduced okay. to the monarch individuals, um, specifically yes. Sarazawa and Vivian Graham, who again reprise their roles in uh, King of the Monsters and stuff, which is awesome that they have like recurring characters over these movies. Right. Uh, so I, I do appreciate that kind of stuff. This is like the weird part for me. I don't really understand why monarch the supposedly like um the intelligence behind these monsters knew so little going into this event i thought it was weird because in future movies they appear to be much more knowledgeable than they are in this movie where they seem to be bumbling about in the dark and like just you know kind of working on um like and kind of just like trying to figure it out one by one or piece by piece step by step so like sarazawa he doesn't have any concrete evidence about what happened 15 years ago until brian cranston shows up with some tapes but my dude like 
use use your brain a little bit do you think about it it was definitely this thing that you have trapped right here this is clearly what <laughs> what happened to the 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 thing 15 years ago um <laughs> Uh, so it was stuff like that that kind of took me out of it a little bit. This whole like first part of the movie is is the, is really interesting though, you know. Um, I, yeah. I'm, at this point, I'm really intrigued by everything. It's not until um, you know after the fact when they release the Muto and the Muto is like going on a rampage through um, like Honolulu and different places that I start losing interest a little bit with the human efforts of the story you know what i'm saying um because yeah it is true that brian cranston had such a presence in the beginning of the movie that aaron taylor johnson for whatever reason as ford couldn't muster the i guess the strength to or the, the acting prowess or whatever it was to like be as interesting as brian cranston's character you know cranston put his all into this and Aaron Taylor Johnson kind of just was there. Well, I don't know if you noticed that, but it's he almost acts like that in all of his characters. Uh, he almost like has like the same personality with all of his characters. Maybe like yeah, there's it's... not much range there. Like even even as um, Pietro. Yeah, like it was. Not... It was a little more. It was just like kind of blasé a little bit, you know. Like he's going through the motions of the story and getting the script bit down, um, and even like there are there is emotion on on the character, but he's a very stoic person. Yeah, and um, like like you, if you could give Aaron Taylor Johnson the the same role that Brian Cranston had in the beginning, it wouldn't have been as emotional of a scene because I don't think he has the range necessarily. And I, I don't want to say that actually. I, I I hate like putting someone down to lift someone else up because I don't think that that's no, right, and yeah, I don't I actually you. believe it personally. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson's a good actor. Um, I just don't know that he was necessarily the right fit for this. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm being too critical there. No, no, no. I mean, there there's criticisms of this movie, and I know that one of them being the focus on the human efforts rather than the actual like fighting monsters. And I know that that's really one of the biggest reasons why people come to watch a kaiju movie is because I mean they're like, yo, I want to see giant monsters fighting. Oh, I mean, yeah, and, absolutely. And, to be fair, they don't disappoint in a sense. Like, I mean, when they do do show the fights, they're pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of cool how they were able to continue to make the monster fights really like interesting, and not only interesting, but like cinematically appealing. You know, like there were some yeah. really awesome shots in this movie, especially when it came to Godzilla and the Mudos. Um, even actually there were, there were some great shots with the humans, like when they were coming down off of the, um, the, the carrier with like the, the red smoke and they were flying down for like a minute. That was a really I know, like, visually man. stunning scene. It really was like that. That scene was, it was very ominous with the right. music and the way that the visuals were with how it was dark and you know, their storm clouds and you know when once they came you know but I, we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to that point um but yeah you were talking about how the mamudos were or 
I think it was the male one at this point. Yes. Which was uh, moving through, you know, to Hawaii. They do a good job at showing the scale of these creatures and how big they are. Yeah. Oppo- you know, as opposed to like a human being. Especially when G- Godzilla comes in. And I loved it when Godzilla came in. It's such because a fantastic see, entrance, dude. It, it, it is. And the thing is, is that there's nothing... Like, there's nothing that Godzilla does that it's crazy. It's just the things that happen around him that makes his entrance spectacular. Like, when, he, when you see him coming, you see the sea receding. Oh... And you know, and then when he like comes onto land, the tsunami and yeah, right. They're thinking they're like, oh man, there's a tsunami coming. Now, and I was like, nah, bro, <laughs> it's something other than a tsunami coming. There's a big creature in there, and uh, but oh man, Godzilla, bro. What what uh, always fascinated me was you know how good the entrances are in this movie to Godzilla specifically. Um, yes. Like, there's like five, six, seven times in this movie where like Godzilla surprises you with just like being awesome and right there, you know. <laughs> no, Godzilla's he's, just he's, he's a, a stealthy guy, awesome. man. Like, I know for a big creature, like I'm like, yo, how how is he like doing these surprise attacks? I mean, he's huge. You can hear him walking. But yeah, no, it, it's it, it's awesome though. And but I mean. The scale of Godzilla compared to a person is, he's huge. Dude, he's got some thick legs. I know, and I love that they went with the, with an original, like, version of him. Rather than, you know, that skinny version that they went with and the, uh, in the, like, 98 version, 98, 99, around there. I like that they, you know, used a god you know the godzilla that a lot of people grew up with and um yeah man it's it's insane so let's talk a little bit about that scene because um so they're in honolulu uh ford is trying to get back to san francisco and the only way um that he can get there is by going to honolulu first which is the closest thing to japan that has like a airport that's working basically so he tries to get there, and when he's there, the Muto follows, and not necessarily follows him, but, you know, goes where the, <laughs> the nuclear power basically is, and Godzilla follows the Muto, because as uh, Dr. Serizawa keeps saying uh, throughout all these movies, is that Godzilla is like the key to balancing nature, you know? He sets things right by, you know, basically... <laughs> wrestling with monsters until they die <laughs> literally i mean literally literally godzilla this is what he's doing and the thing that i like about godzilla in this film is that godzilla has like no interest in anything but wrestling these things. these people are shooting at him he's just like <laughs> he's like stomping through like i mean he, he's got like blinders for these these mamudos like i mean he's getting shot at he does not care he's getting he's he, he's got a mission godzilla clearly has a mission on his mind and he doesn't care what else is going on around him what's he doesn't crazy, care that he's destroying scene, everything what's crazy about this scene in honolulu is it's f- literally 55 minutes into the movie 
by the time we first get our look, not even of Godzilla as a whole, but just the scales on his back as he's like traveling through the water. You know, it's not, it's another oh, couple minutes I love that. before he even, he's even on land. But I love, I, there's a lot of like close up shots in this movie or like point of view shots that really put you into the feel of the characters that are inhabiting this world and are trying to get away or, you know, they're trying to navigate life with all these kaijus fighting around them. Um, so there's there's a couple where it's like binoculars and I think it's Serizawa. He, he like looks at the water and he sees one row of scales and he looks, he, he pivots, he sees another and then again, he, and he sees a third row of scales just like Godzilla has. It's just a powerful storytelling device, like just showing how you know even with binoculars he needs to physically move the binoculars to see different parts of the body and then later in the movie there's a really cool shot of you know when they're going down um like off the carrier and they're they're flying down with the the red smoke behind them there's a scene where it shows like through the goggles of aaron taylor johnson's character ford um, and he's like breathing heavy and then when he sees the monsters fighting and he's getting closer he starts breathing heavier he's like <laughs> I know, yo, that he got so close. I'm like, bro, that would that's too close for comfort for me. I would be freaking out. You would have been like, deploy parachute now. <laughs> I would have been like, I need to get away. There is a scene that I really liked. I think it was a nighttime scene. I don't know if it was the Honolulu, but when Godzilla was swimming in the water and there was a spotlight on him and you could see um, him like swimming in the water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Like he, the he visuals under, for that were the, really cool. Uh, he goes under the ships. Yeah, that's a cool scene, dude. There's so many great shots of Godzilla and the and the Mutos in this movie that, like, every time they do show him, it's so gratifying, and that that's why it doesn't bother me one bit that he shows up 55 minutes into this movie, um, this two-hour movie. It was a build-up. It's a build-up. It was a build-up. Like they were building up to it. Like you knew it was gonna happen. And they were pretty much trying to set up all the players for that, for that moment. You know, they're trying to make it a grand entrance. Um, and what, what were your two, I would say that they didn't disappoint. What were your two favorite, or what, what were your favorite shots of uh, like Godzilla showing up? Because there was a lot of them in this movie. There were a lot of them. the The one with the the tsunami one was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I liked the one in. Uh, is San Francisco where he he's like underwater and like the he's going under the ships and like you could see the ships kind of like rolling off of his back oh yeah 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 that was really cool and I mean the the bridge moment too the bridge moment was good too. dude there's so many good but moments. it's crazy though because like in, in all seriousness like he was he broke through the bridge because he was going somewhere he was getting shot at and he did not care everybody these people were shooting at him and he kept on going he did he did not try to clear the area he wasn't trying to kill anybody he was i'm telling you he had a mission like i mean he was they clearly in this film didn't make him a villain yeah yeah they didn't you know like he was very neutral he was a neutral character like oh 100 percent so i i thought that was cool i mean they've done godzilla in different ways i mean i don't remember have you ever seen the old godzilla cartoon the wait which cartoon there was the 90s spin-off cartoon 
there were okay so there was a cartoon where I, I mean just yeah I think it was in the 90s something I don't, I don't even remember the characters but I remember when whenever something really bad would happen they would press this button to call Godzilla and Godzilla would come and like destroy whatever that was like in their way. I don't know if you, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea. I gotta look that up. That sounds funny. Oh my gosh, dude. You have to see. Netflix um, actually they made even... a trilogy of anime movies of Godzilla recently. I know that's not what you're talking what about, it? but it's pretty cool. While you're looking that up, I'm, uh, I'll tell you what my, my favorite shots of uh, Godzilla showing up were. I, I can think of three the first is when they when they're like uh when ford is on like that monorail thing and the muto's like trying to come and grab them basically and then it gets like distracted and you're like well what's happening and then later on they show like a, a, a person's point of view from inside like some airport and then just some huge foot stomp onto the airport and that was godzilla's foot i love that scene so much um, just because it shows how massive his scale is. Um, and then my second favorite shot is in Chinatown in San Francisco when they show like the lanterns in the smoke and then like he kind of like comes out of the fog. It's such a sick scene, dude. Okay, so the cartoon that I'm talking about is actually an animated series from 1978. Okay, I have not seen that. I definitely haven't. Dude, seen I'm telling you, I remember they had it on like Cartoon Network or something like that. And I remember watching it. And I remember these people being in a boat and things would happen and they would press a button and it would like send out like the signal and then Godzilla would come out of the water. And it's crazy to me, dude. Whatever monster it's crazy to me, like how like we grew up on these old Japanese shows that like came out in the seventies, eighties, sometimes the sixties, even, you know, with stuff like Speed Racer and the Gundam series of the eighties, uh, Transformers. We grew up kind of off of those shows that made it to America years later, and it's it. Oh yeah, I, it was uh, it, dude, it was awesome. But um, but yeah, I gotta check that show out. The <laughs> you said it was in the '78. Yeah, it was like 1978 to I think 1981. Yeah, dude, it was it was a crazy cartoon. I remember it was about to turn 2000. Two, they they made like a Y2K bug was like about to attack, and they called Godzilla to like fight it. <laughs> what, dude? You have to see this commercial. It is funny i'm going to find it i'm going to send it to you and you're gonna be like oh my gosh i can't believe i missed this show dude i'm telling you i'm so confused wait how did they even know about the y2k bug back in like the 70s and 80s that has to be something else oh my goodness unless like like i'm pretty sure the the cartoon that i'm talking about was from yeah like, like it was like yeah it was an old cartoon um but I, I think it might have been a spot that was just made for that moment. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I'm looking at Godzilla I, versus Y2K bug um, <laughs> on Gojipedia. <laughs> so the Y2K bug is a bug kaiju created by Hanna-Barbera that appeared in the 1999 The Godzilla Power Hour short Godzilla versus Y2K bug. The comedic short was aired as a bumper during commercial breaks on both Cartoon Network and its sister station, Boomerang. Um, so that's awesome. I have to look at this now. I have to find that. Okay, cool. Dude, you oh, gotta watch oh. the... Dude, 
Dude, I'm telling you. I am telling you. I mean, they, they've made so much Godzilla media. And I, and I know what you're talking about. They did make a, an, a follow-on animated series that followed that 98 movie, the one in New York. Yeah, I yeah, they came yeah. Out with that they, the the um, character has, in Japanese Godzilla lore, been renamed Zilla. And I think in um, <laughs> one of the Godzilla movies that came out after the... Um, the American Godzilla, they had Godzilla sh- like show up and just blast it to smithereens. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's pretty good. So, so yeah, th- this episode has officially become just a Godzilla generic, or just Godzilla in general. We we have steered from the Godzilla 2014. We're talking about every other thing this, about Godzilla. We're gonna call this episode Godzilla 2014 and more. All right. We should. We really should. All right. Let's um, let's just get back on topic and like this, like finish yeah. the discussion as, essentially. So, um, so all we're right. Back. Yeah, we're we're an hour and twelve minutes into this. Um, we don't want you to know, go Yeah. So forever. Honolulu. We talked about Honolulu. Um, you know, Honolulu gets messed up by the Mamudos and you know, kind of got Godzilla fighting, and Brody is trying to make it back to the mainland because i mean everything's messed up he yeah he hitches a ride with the military to was it california or yeah because they're, they're going they're going to i know they were going to nevada right to that waste plant so okay it, it gets a little confusing because that's when they introduce a third uh monster into the into the mix so there's a third muto uh, or a second Muto, and plus, plus right. Godzilla. It's a female. So, the whole time we've been seeing is a male. Then they introduce right. a female. Yeah, so they have um, the, the Muto in Honolulu going to meet up with the Muto in uh, Nevada. And the one in Nevada has um, sucked up some nuclear waste and is heading for... Uh, heading to meet, like like in the middle with the male Muto. That's the female and the male. Um, and I guess somewhere in the middle would be San Francisco, naturally. So Right, well, well, the, the female pretty much like stomps through Las Vegas. Yeah, to get there, yeah. I don't know geography well enough to know if that's like a legitimate <laughs> like stop, a layover to, to get to San Francisco, but... It is in Nevada, and they're going over to San, they're going to San Francisco anyway. So anyway, the big battle in San Francisco happens, and I'm I'm skipping over a lot because a lot of the actual character-driven stuff in this movie is forgettable. You know, I I, I right. watched it literally earlier today, and I not that I dislike right, well, the I- story. It's just it's just kind of boring. You know, like you have these huge massive monsters fighting over you. And you got a bunch of uh, small humans who are um, running around, trying running to stop around, them. trying. Well, not even trying to stop them. They're trying to like set off a bomb, and then they're trying to uh, stop a bomb. You know that they <laughs> that they messed up on. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that that's how Brody gets back towards San Diego. Is that he hops on a train that a nuclear warhead is on. And it's like an analog one because something that we didn't uh, mention is that these uh, mudos have this field around them that's a, that acts like a like a uh, EMP. Yeah. That anything that's in it 
uh, the electronics are knocked out. Except it's not, it doesn't fry the circuits. As soon as the field is gone, the, they, they actually come back on. And so, yeah, like he, he makes his way back. And so, yeah, we're, we're in, uh, San Francisco. I think, were they waiting for the Mudos to get there or were the Mudos already there? And then I know that they were waiting for Godzilla to get there because there's they had the the bridge set up, they had the ships set up, and um, so it was like a convergence point. Like they they kind of timed it, and they kind of knew when they were when and where they were all going to be positioned, and it was going to be like right off the coast of San Francisco. But again, like I, I forget a lot of like the human based stuff and like why it didn't work. I'm sure there was like, you know, logical reasoning behind some of the actions. But eventually we get to um, uh, the there's there's a great bridge scene uh, <laughs> where Ford's son uh, is in a bus and um, the, the bus driver's like, nope, screw this. I'm driving. And <laughs> I know, dude, I, I don't blame him because I mean. There's this giant creature, and had they stayed in that spot, they would have been like knocked off the bridge. Yeah, yeah, no, they they would have. Um, so it was prudent on uh, the bus driver's part and everything. Um, but you know, some everybody's of the... trying to stop him. He's like, "Nope, get out my way." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's another like great like, you mentioned it like uh godzilla showing up next to the bridge is a, another great scene and then he just like walks through it as people are shooting him uh, he's just like sorry i got places to be yeah no seriously they're like firing on him they're they're shooting godzilla yeah so and godzilla we... like i mean godzilla he just really did not care i mean all that gunfire everything that they're shooting at him did nothing he just kept on going he knew and, where and he frankly, wanted to be that he was, was kind of how it was for everyone or all, all the mudos as well because like they're so massive their skins are so thick that no human weaponry is gonna like actually do any damage oh to yeah them. not at all i don't know what they were they, thinking they, was uh after all that they were studying with them in um japan after what they did in honolulu and like it was eating all the stuff in nevada the 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 waste i don't know what they were thinking just feeding it with a nuclear bomb what was what was the point of that i mean they they obviously thought that it would destroy oh it probably would have but you know (laughs) this is literally it's bread and butter like this is they they gave my right. meal. They no. What's funny? I actually laughed. You know, because the the male mudo gives the female mudo like a present for the babies, <laughs> and it's the it's the nuclear bomb, and it's actually yeah. a re- you know in terms of like sci-fi stuff, and it was a really cool like scene because you can kind of they're totally fictional creatures, but like their mating call wasn't so alien that we didn't understand it you know it was still a believable monster right it was creature dynamic. it was almost animal yeah, like yeah you, you, you could tell yeah no yeah, i agree no yeah <laughs> that that was funny that nuclear bomb they they had it was crazy how they did that though because it was like all the eggs were like networking from that point and it was like the babies were absorbing the radiation from that nuclear bomb 
and and growing from it yeah 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 and yeah you could see all the like the little mudos inside their eggs and stuff and <laughs> it was it, it's it, it was something there was actually something i meant i forgot to mention during the train ride to san francisco there was a pretty cool moment with uh, the mudos where they uh remember they get off the train and they go up the tracks a little bit um over that bridge yeah uh, that you know that track and then one of the you know i think it was was it the oh no it was the female the female shows up and that was a very like intense moment where you know she she was kind of like checking it out and like it looked like she was about to attack until she heard a sound yeah and you know they they very much so made these things into the villains because they would go after people they would eat people they would attack people whereas godzilla i i just every time every time i think about godzilla in this movie like i just I like i love godzilla dude like this I guy know. he just he just had he, he has a mission it's true it's he has true. this instinct he has like it's like an internal instinct that happens to be a mission and he didn't like i said he don't care he did not care about the people around him he's like i want to kill these things <laughs> i want to kill him this thing is big it's stomping around and it does not have my authority to be here so i'm gonna take it down essentially like that's what i got <laughs> and uh, yeah man it's and then yeah the, the 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 fighting at the end was awesome i mean godzilla if you wanted a good godzilla fight i we got it what I, what I, um, you know, st staying with the, the Mudos a little bit, and especially like on that little uh, train tracks where they're hiding from the female, that's where you s first get a glimpse of like um, of the, egg, the sack. egg sack that, you know, she's carrying. It's like glowing and it's kind of cool, but it's also disgusting. Um, and you're just like, oh crap, we, ha we can't get more of these. Right. And naturally, like me being a gamer, I was thinking like, oh, that's the part you would shoot at in a video game. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the mess that would have made. Yeah. L later on, uh, you know, they try to dismantle the bomb. They can't. Uh, you know, this is this is in like the Muto's lair. We see the eggs. You know, in like their um, like nest area, and whatever they they take the bomb out of there because it's in the middle of the city at this point, and they can't have that obviously. So they put it on a boat. And it's it's uh, supposed to go away, but Ford he stays behind a little bit to you know blow up these babies, these eggs. And there's actually like I hate to like even feel bad for the the Mutos, but like the cry that the mother makes when she realizes that the babies are all dead, it's like actually like kind of uh, like it's it's hard to say that I felt bad, but. It was hard not to be empathetic, I guess, for this it creature was, and her babies. Right. It was very apparent that she was mourning. Oh yeah, like that's, you could that's tell. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. They they did they did a good job on that and showing that she was mourning, and she knew because she she ended up seeing Brody because Brody had made a sound, and she knew in that moment like you're the, this you're person the cause this, of this thing yeah. did it yeah. It's about to take him down mm -hmm. and i think he, he got saved by godzilla right 
dude he got saved by godzilla several times but yeah um um i i do love those moments where they show that the creatures have some consciousness that there are these little beings that are to blame for some of the issues that they're going that that they have to deal with basically ford is 100 percent the answer as to like why her babies are dead you know so she has totally that right to like be angry at this dude but you know right. going back to the fight with godzilla at this moment i think godzilla is like chasing the female back to the nest and the male tries to attack from behind uh previously they were like double teaming godzilla but yeah godzilla, godzilla was getting like whooped up on like yeah he yeah was. i mean they were they, they yeah they were beating down on him but he swung his tail uh <laughs> oh i loved that. and crashed him into a building and you know he just he died he just died he's the smaller of the mutos and he just crumpled yeah. i like that they did that i actually like that they did that because there are many uh species in the animal kingdom where the male is the smaller one the right. female is large yeah um especially like, like insectoid uh, insectoid species are very which the mutos kind of were very like spider-like almost um, yeah yeah no I, I loved it man the the male muto was like flying in and like godzilla just does like a tail whip on him but i think like before that didn't he use his atomic breath a couple times no i don't remember if it was just before that or just after that but basically i don't i think he only uses the atomic breath on the female so i know i i know that he's like throwing down that atomic breath and when when you see it like you, you see the glowing from oh you know what tip. it is you know what it is it, it was um the muto was looking at ford like as her babies were dying and then in the background you start seeing the blue light glow and then it, it you, you dude yes 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 yeah i know exactly what you're talking about this is right before this is right after they beat down on godzilla they're beating down on godzilla and so like you're thinking that you know godzilla's down and so yeah like that there's a whole moment with the baby and then yeah like she's staring down forward and all of a sudden you see that beautiful blue glow and you're like yeah you Uh, <laughs> and then so in that moment you knew i mean especially like fans of godzilla you you knew what was gonna happen You're yeah like, and that's, oh, that's what i'm that's what i'm saying in the movie theater i remember just being like holy crap they're giving him atomic breath because we didn't know or at least i i wasn't paying attention to the leaks or anything like that or if there was rumors or whatever it wasn't in the trailers basically so that scene just blew me away and it was sick that's not the best use of the atomic power in the movie we'll get to that in a moment but oh yeah of course um but anyway. yeah God, godzilla yeah and then yeah I, and then i think it was like after that yeah the the male like comes in and that's when he does the, the tail whip on him that was awesome that was cool that was cool well anyway ford finally makes his way down to um the dock in san francisco harbor and he kind of pushes the boat off he has uh the warhead and he's trying to dismantle it but he's just exhausted you know he's been at this for like a day and a half at this point fighting off for his life <laughs> yeah and, for real um the muto shows up again you know he's just and and she's pissed she hates this guy she knows this guy is the reason her <laughs> babies are dead so she gives him the stare of death 
and it's zoomed in on just her and then you see like her face kind of like crumple a little bit like her shoulders like change and like the the eyes stop getting locked onto him and then the camera zooms out a little bit and godzilla's got her by the neck like with his teeth and dude that's when he does like the best atomic breath he like opens her mouth up and just blasts her until her, <laughs> her head gets decapitated it's the craziest thing that i think godzilla had ever done up until this point well the thing is is that i mean in a godzilla movie you have to do something crazy i mean because it's godzilla i mean it's a giant monster that br- that shoots out radiation breath i mean True. why wouldn't you that's a good point you know excellent and it's i i do i don't know if you noticed but especially in the way that he fought godzilla was intelligent in how to fight like he knew how to fight i right. mean like he knew he knew like he knew how to you know hand-to-hand combat or something because like what i mean to be smart enough to do that tail whip to to hit that mudo into the building come on now oh but we thought that uh, Godzilla was down because the building crumbled down on him. After you're right, that. you're right, you're right. Yeah, so he knocked the Muto into the building, and then the building fell on him, which gave Aaron Taylor Johnson the opportunity to go to the ship, and then the Muto was able to come after him. So, But there was a nice little moment between um, Ford and Godzilla where like he looked up at Godzilla and like this like massive creature like looks back at him. And it's almost like a silent, like, what's up <laughs> you know but and that's what i love about godzilla i mean there's many things i love about godzilla but like the fact that he just like looks at humans and just like hi what's up i'm godzilla <laughs> he's just looking at him like and then and then like after that godzilla just goes off doesn't do anymore it doesn't destroy the city doesn't go after everybody he's just like peace just leaves well, no, no, no. He sleeps at first. Dude, he like, he's just like, all right, uh, I'm, I'm going to sleep in San Francisco for the night. And then in the morning, I'm going to peace out. And he literally does right, that. Like, he's right. knocked out for the day or for the night. And when he wakes up, the crowd starts cheering because, you know, this giant monster woke up <laughs> and is leaving the city. And I know. Well, I thought that was. I thought that was pretty crazy because I'd still be like, oh, man, we still got some giant creature over here. Technically, this guy did kill two of the other ones, but he's still a giant creature and he could still kill us. Um, <laughs> My thoughts exactly. After this point in the in the movie, like I'm surprised or in this in this world, I'm surprised that and I have to rewatch the other ones because I don't remember if this is actually what happens or not, but I feel like people would start worshiping like these ancient creatures just because, you know, you see a godlike creature, you would have people that would become fanatics about it. Like, Oh, this is, I think the... you're right. I feel like that would happen in, in normal life or in real life. You know, I, I, I think you're right. I think they talked about that in uh king of monsters. Maybe they do actually. Well, I know that they, had like ancient uh people worshiping them like so they go into like old mm, yeah sumerian yeah, that's ruins what I was or something about. or whatever and they have like these hieroglyphs of godzilla and them but i don't know if they do in modern day i feel like that would be something that would be a cool and interesting thing to go into but maybe we'll talk about that in uh, a future godzilla uh, oh King yes monsters podcast yeah 
yeah, we're going to have to cover... I think that it would be cool to cover the rest of the like Monsterverse movies. So, yeah. So we'll put we those to. on future polls. We'll have to. Yes. The movie has a happy ending. Godzilla wins and leaves the people alone. Quicksilver is reunited with Scarlet Witch. <laughs> a year later. A year later. Yeah. <laughs> Happily ever after. Um, oh man what are you guys thoughts on this movie because i genuinely want to know are you a fan of godzilla 2014 there's some excellent scenes in it there's some excellent shots uh and themes um and also monster fights but i think some of the human aspects are lacking which is kind of unfortunate because that's what they kind of latched onto. right overall so, yeah. i enjoyed the rewatch i think it's better than i remembered it yeah yeah i enjoyed my second watch through and that concludes our episode on Godzilla 2014. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Project Ecology for our 23rd episode, Godzilla 2014. We're taking off a week before releasing episode 24, but we'll be diving into our discussion of Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Be sure to find all links to our show and socials in the show notes so you can keep up to date on all Project Ecology news and updates. If you enjoyed today's show, share it on social media, review on your preferred podcast application, or talk to us directly online. And I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Adios. Peace out.